The NFL is back, college football is back, and that means fantasy football is back. And that is fantastic news for everybody except for those using ESPN as their fantasy stuff. We do a big breakdown on the world of WWE and a state of the union for wrestling right now. We get into the Marvel Universe on Netflix and cord cutting, and we talk about destiny and the legend of Kevin Tyler. Today is Tuesday, September 13th, and you're listening to The Concession Stand. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm good. It's been a good week. Uh, we got one out there, and people are starting to hear it and tell us some really good things about it, and uh, it's exciting to hear that people are listening to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was enthralled by the feedback. I was just, wow, you guys really, really liked it. Sorry for the length. It was the, we wanted to do a big, big two-hour premiere and just kind of give you guys plenty of content rather than chopping it up into four or five episodes. Why not throw it all at you at once and you decide whether you like it or not. So we're back. Yeah. Episode two. uh, We certainly like talking to each other. So hopefully you like hearing us talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Let's do it some more. Oh, and we also like drinking beer, which let me cue you, by the way. All right. So uh, Stone Cold salute to get us started. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, here we go. So we're going to talk about some wrestling today. We're going to get into some of that stuff. Uh, we're going to go down a bunch of stuff regarding consumer tech. The NFL's back. Uh, we had a big birthday this week. Uh, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about some cord cutting, all those kinds of things. So stick with us. Uh, we're going to go through all that. So let's start it right off the top. We had a really big birthday celebration this week. We did. Um, Star Trek, uh, the franchise itself, turned 50 years old. The first, wow. Yeah, can you believe that? The first episode of Star Trek aired on NBC on September 8th, 1966. So for all you baby boomers out there, uh, (laughs) salute and uh, apologize for making you feel old. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek, admittedly, we're both probably more Star Wars fans. Um, I didn't really get into Star Trek as a kid until I started watching a couple of the movies. I think Wrath of Khan was sort of my gateway into Star Trek. Uh, And as an adult, I went back and watched uh, the show, the original show. Um, I didn't watch much of Next, Next Generation yeah, uh, in my teen years, and people swear by that. I mean, the whole thing is on Netflix now, and, and the original is on it as well. Um, there's a lot of things to be said about Star Trek that, that make it so special. Um, uh, the big one that, that most people kind of latch onto is, of course, it's the first big sci-fi show that created kind of you know a geek following. And, and a lot of uh, geek following in general, Comic-Cons, all that sort of uh, style of of convention and fandom and people dressing up like characters probably all started with the Star Trek thing. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get cosplay. You're going to get... I think it opened the doors also for it to be okay to be a geek. I, I want to say that, but you know, liberally in the sense that it, it might have been the thing that, or the show that was responsible for all things geek and sci-fi and cosplay and nerding out with your friends and maybe even D&D and games and things like that. I, I feel like it, it had some influence in, in that sort of thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people our age got into it because uh, when we were kids, it was in syndication and their reruns were on in the afternoon. My dad wasn't a, a Star Trek fan growing up, so it wasn't like he was like, hey, son, you got to check this out. So that's maybe why I never saw it. And But we did end up seeing the movies like I talked about. Um, uh, I was more watching uh, well, Adam West Batman from yeah. that era in syndication, so I could tell you anything about all of those episodes. But um, the big thing for me about Star Trek, uh, I guess uh, the the biggest sort of impact it's had on our culture is I feel like, and if I'm not wrong, it was one of the first uh, shows back in that time where we had a multicultural cast. Uh, we had mm. a black female. We had an Asian uh, um, uh, pilot. We had uh, Spock, who was a Vulcan, which I guess isn't a real race, but right. it was a very multicultural show, and that was sort of an unheard of thing at the time. And um, 
it was sort of okay, I guess, because it was in a sci-fi universe. I mean, think about that. That's that's pretty much right in the heart of the civil rights movement. And um, um, I guess we didn't live during that time, but the impact that that show had on on our our society and as a whole, and, and sort of acceptance of 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 that um, is is something really special. And I think moving forward, I think um, the characters themselves and the relationships between the characters are just what has kept that uh, show and that universe sort of going. I mean, the Kirk-Spock dynamic, um, uh, the, the Kirk-Bones dynamic, uh, Scotty being crazy. Give me all you got, Captain! You know, yeah, that, right. it's, 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 it's become part of, part of just language. You know, everybody knows, you know, uh, the, the William Shatner sort of pause of things just because of uh, Spock, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> everybody knows about that. And, and, and Shatner is, of course, lived on in, in Priceline commercials. And right. he just, he's always just sort of been He's Shatner. always just been Shatner. Yeah, and, and it's all because of Captain Kirk. So um, I guess a better way to say that, he's, he's kind of always just been Captain Kirk. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, T.J. Hooker for a little while, oh, but yeah, but, uh, yeah he's, he's always been Captain Kirk. And uh, the, the older movies, there's that sort of adage that uh, the, the odd, I'm sorry, the odd-numbered movies were terrible and the even-numbered movies were good. So everybody <laughs> swears by Wrath of Khan, number two being the best one of the of the movies with uh, Kirk and Spock, but interesting segue. Uh, same thing with Superman. I think Superman two was good and three was awful. Eh, Superman two has its issues in my opinion, but uh, that's because <laughs> Richard Donner directed half of that movie, but that's a story for another time. Absolutely. But I, I don't think we would be uh, true geeks and true fans of stuff. If we didn't at least acknowledge that star Trek turns 50. So uh, while we did lose Leonard Nimoy this, this year and uh, Anton Yelchin um, uh, who played, uh, check off in the new series of movies and quickly about the new series of movies. Uh, I think JJ Abrams did a really good job with the first one. The second one had a couple of missteps, but go back and watch the opening sequence of that movie. And it's still a pretty solid movie. And, and you and I went and saw uh, star Trek beyond together. I think the casting that they've done with pine as as Kirk and uh, Carl Urban as McCoy and Zachary Quinto just knocks it out of the park as Spock. I think that they've done a really good job of, of paying homage to, to the original cast and, and creating something for the future for a whole new generation of fans. So happy birthday, star Trek. And have many more. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> yes. What else came back this week? Uh, well, uh, our... Yes, the NFL is back. And uh, yes. uh, we only had one sort of issue with head trauma with the Cam Newton multiple hits. But, uh, but before we get into that, yes... The National Football League is back, and fantasy football is back. And Nick and I have been playing fantasy football together in a league for about 10 years, and I lost a game by 16 yards this week, which is incredibly frustrating. We've had a draft, and it's all that sort of stuff where you're like, hey, I wish my players did better, and you think you have control by putting your best lineup in. But then again, it's complete and utter luck. Yep. But damn it, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I, I did not uh, fare so well. I, I took a gamble on uh, Mr. Dak Prescott and – just didn't deliver. Des Bryant had one catch. You know, he's he's a top five re receiver. Yeah, all that stuff. Right? And you uh, you left Roethlisberger on your bench, maybe? Uh, I did. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, oh, who boy. also had almost twenty points. So anyway, uh, you, you you don't win in week one. You win in week five, week six. Et cetera, yeah, and so. in the first couple of weeks, the teams are kind of figuring themselves out. Um, if I had to pick uh, teams that stood out to me as looking really good right out of the gate that I didn't expect, and actually you told me, and I agreed with you, and I hate to say it. But the Raiders look pretty good. The Raiders look good. I called that one about a couple months ago, actually. I said that, the, and you guys can hear it here. I think the Raiders are going to be the sleeper team in the AFC. Watch out. All right. And uh, as a Bears fan, I was excited to see that Jay Cutler did not throw an interception. Disclaimer, we do live in Los Angeles, <laughs> and I am not a Raiders fan by, by association. I'm a Panthers fan, originally from Charlotte. but uh, So I'm excited that we have football back in L.A., but I'm not a Raiders fan. But just as a 
a fantasy player as a follower of the National Football League, I think the Raiders are going to have a gangbuster year. And that was an excellent game. Uh, Andrew Siciliano, nicknamed Jack Del Rio, is his new nickname is Black Jack Del Rio. <laughs> I like it. I like and it. I, and I liked the gamble of going for two at the end, and it paid off, and they won, and just brilliant. Yeah, our uh, our our buddy Max is a big Raiders fan. Robber, 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 robber. Yeah. Uh, Max is a, is a big Raiders fan, and he was thrilled to to see that uh, uh, that they pulled that out. Um, yeah, NFL's back. You're going to the Rams game on Sunday, so I'll be excited. I am. Yeah, I'll be excited to hear next week what that experience was like. Uh, and I actually have I've lived in LA for ten years, and I've never been to the Coliseum, the Los oh. Angeles Coliseum, to see a USC game or anything. So I'm excited to actually just experience that legendary you know, uh, a venue, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool place. I saw, uh, I've seen a couple of USC Notre Dame f- uh, games there. I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I've uh, I've actually uh, shot a couple of television shows there. So it's a, it's a really cool place and a really special place to be. You can't say you're a Notre Dame on the fan on the podcast. People are not going to listen. Oh, well, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> I will say, though, that the further I get away from college, the less I care about college sports. How about that? How about that? You um you you made a prediction uh, last week, or you made a statement last week about a new piece of consumer tech that was... That was coming out, and, and I I felt it was necessary to go back and revisit this because of the news we've had since that since episode one was released. Uh, yeah, think, would you like to re- recant your statement, sir? I believe I said so it was in the middle of our iPhone discussion and how the iPhone Seven didn't really wow me, and I was saying something along the lines of like the Galaxy Seven is just a better phone altogether. And apparently, uh, I don't know what I said. What did I say? That's terrible that we have to wait two years for them to announce iPhone 8 to hope that they have something that maybe has some of the technology that the other phone companies are doing. And yes, I'm going to tell you right now, the Galaxy 7 or whatever those things are, uh, they are they have more features and functions and cool shit than, than an iPhone 7 does. They're always kind of like catching up at this point, where they used to be the innovators, in my opinion. <laughs> well, uh, was I wrong? Well, maybe I wasn't, because it does have more features than the iPhone 7, because it has a new feature apparently called Ticking Time Bomb. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this. We had to get to this point of diminishing returns where uh, the technology or, or the, the advancement of it continually and continuing to pack it into smaller and smaller packages and exponentially growing the amount of technology that was in all of this hardware, it, it just it doesn't work that way. You're going to hit physics at some point. And I think that's what happened with Galaxy 7 is the amount of heat that it's being produced. You know, if you, you want to get it, break down some laws of thermodynamics and all that stuff, you, we can, blah. but... Yeah, they're 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 blowing up, and it's not one case, it's not ten cases. We're seeing dozens of these uh, come across the internet and reports of them, and just uh, Samsung doing a full on recall. People stop buying them. Don't charge your phones. These big news alerts, right? So and, and not blowing up literally, blowing up as in like exploding phones. Yes, while you're got it to your ear talking, the battery explodes. I I can't imagine. It's a nightmare, and it's dangerous and it's scary. But uh, man. I don't even know how to respond to something like that. To to have such a major consumer product like that have a have a major recall just because it it it's a it's a a true hazard. Well, as much of kid culture as playing on games on phones is now, I I can't imagine what it is like for parents that might own Android devices like the Samsungs or something like that that are now maybe freaking out. Now it affects their kids, all that stuff. They have to take them back. So that's one thing I would say. So general statement across the board: if you were one of the ones that got a Galaxy Seven. Take it back. Yeah. Get something else. Uh, find something equivalent or that will be just as good for you because these phones are problems. And yeah. I, I think Samsung's addressing it. They're going to address the technology. They're going to release a new version or an update, and you could probably work out some deal where you're going to get a replacement. But be careful if you were one of the early adopters. Um, 
back to our fantasy football thing. We Ooh. would be remiss if we did not, at least in our episode about connections, uh, we did not <laughs> at least bring up, and I don't think you play on this particular server, for the entire first half, I think maybe the first three quarters of the morning games, maybe the entire morning games, the ESPN fantasy football site and app was down. Can you imagine what that must have been like for rubble, people? Rubble, 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 rubble. I don't even know what I'm doing. How many points do I have? How many points do I have? And then you find out that, you know, like midway through the day that you've <laughs> lost just because you couldn't find out and you're trying to do all Like, who wants to do that kind of math on their phone and, and not have the computer do it for them? So. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the league, but the, there was an episode where the software went down and they had to do everything by hand. Oh. And there was, it was basically he had like the green poker accountant hat on and <laughs> he was just the, the league commissioner was in his, uh, you know, just spending hours and hours doing all the math. And uh, he had three receptions and 75 yards. So how many points <laughs> for every team and every player across the boards? I can't imagine what it was like. Apologies to all you ESPN fantasy players out there. I do play in a kind of a work league on ESPN fantasy. So uh, I, I didn't really notice it. We do it on Yahoo's yeah. fantasy thing, so it wasn't really a big Still deal. Still probably a big face palm over there at the ESPN offices, right? Yeah, big time. So, uh, well, one of the things we said we were going to talk about last week that we just didn't get to, even with two hours of content that we talked about, was wrestling. Yes. You and I have been longtime fans of wrestling, WWF, WCW, all of those different franchises and uh and programs that have been out there around the sport of, or sports entertainment, I should say, uh, the art of wrestling. And I, I think we had some things that we wanted to talk about this week specifically. So um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was um, somebody making a transition. Right. right. And this kind of goes back to the connection issues, sort of overall theme of this one. But uh, one of the former wrestlers that really gained some serious traction with uh, the fan base known as the WWE universe is CM Punk. Yep. And so he, a few years ago, he had a falling out with the McMahons and that whole group and uh, ended up leaving. Ultimately didn't get a contract renewal. We all, we'll never know that whole story. It's he said, she said he's he, there was a podcast where he came out and told the whole story. If you ever want to go find that uh, it's a uh, Colt Cabana's yeah. podcast called the art of wrestling. And it's a two hour interview. And CM Punk has never been one to min uh, mince words uh, behind the scenes. And he'll tell you exactly what happened. If you're curious what happened, it's a really interesting listen to hear what that story is and yep. why he left. I mean, that guy was at the top of the game, and he had the entire universe, wrestling universe, in the palm of his hand. He was must-watch TV at a time when wrestling was kind of on a downturn. We will talk about how it's on a bit of an upturn now. Yeah. Um, but to see him leave, and, and he was an awesome uh, in-ring performer and just incredible on the microphone, and you never knew what he was going to say, and it, and it always sounded real if it, in fact, probably was. Uh, but then for him to up and leave um, and then to announce that he's going to go to the UFC. And I think that was about two years ago that he announced that. And then this past weekend, he had his first UFC fight in the octagon. And Nick, what happened? Um, he got his ass beat. He did. And uh, in the first round, uh, what was it? 140 seconds or Who something knows? like that. It was the first second. He got tapped out. Once he went off his feet, I was I watched the replay of it. Once he went off his feet, I was like, yeah, he's that's not that's this isn't going to end well. And full disclosure, I am not a UFC fan. I, I, I've, I've, I, I appreciate what they do. I've done some work uh, in television with a couple of those guys, and I respect the hell out of what they do. For me, it's just not I, – I, I don't enjoy watching people hurt each other. It's just not a thing that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, well, I do, except in the <laughs> jackass kind of way, but right. not, not like bloody gory fighting and stuff like that. Yeah, I prefer my, uh, my fights to be somewhat choreographed and safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with medical personnel nearby, right? Right, right. 
or Triple H to come in and pedigree you. Anyway, we'll talk about that soon. So, uh, Punk, kudos for for taking the chance, taking the, the you know, grabbing the, by the horns and going out there and trying something different. Uh, I think you might be out of your league, brother. He yeah. might be, but you know, he went out and he tried something that that he wanted to try, and you got to give the guy full respect for that. And I think the Twitter universe of the actual WWE guys came out in his support, in his defense, and say, "Way to go!" Yeah. You know, at least you chased after something. And he might not be done. Who's to say he's not going to try it again? I believe he has a, a, a contract for a couple of fights with UFC, and I mean, his name is still going to sell pay per views. So. I remember something about Dana White coming out going. LOL, that was what we expected. No more. Oh, really? I uh, maybe. I I'll have to look that up. And okay. if, if that is the case, I'll, I'll throw some stuff in the in the show notes for you guys, uh, as well as uh, that podcast that you mentioned about Cole Cabana. I'll put yeah, a link it's to really that good. In, the, in the show notes for you guys to listen to. I, I do remember listening to it. It was fantastic. Uh, so, let's talk about wrestling. The current that's, state of, yeah. of WWE wrestling, that's pretty much the only thing out there now. I think TNE still exists, but who watches that? Let's talk about the current state of wrestling. We had a pay-per-view on Sunday. Um, I watched the first half of it before I had to do some family obligations. Um, but you you caught all of it. Uh, this pay-per-view was with only SmackDown stars called Backlash. And the main event was... Uh, we need to go back. Okay. Um, the We need to talk about what happened with the brand split. We need to oh. talk about kind of just... If we're going to do a State of the Union, let's... Let's really look at what's what's going on. So we talked about CM Punk in that era that right. that he kind of ruled over in a time when you had John Cena and that was it. Yeah, there was nothing else really going on. You saw the ratings diving. Uh, there was all kinds of bad stuff happening. People were leaving. People were getting injured. That's one of the things uh, Punk referenced many times in the Cabana podcast. So what I want to really want to talk about is what's changed. Well, the big things that have changed this year: uh, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon has come back. Uh, in a kind of a stunt, but in the right time. Like, the timing was perfect. Triple H, I understood, wanted to step out of the ring, uh, but at the same time bring in somebody that could also keep the the flow going. He wanted to focus on the up-and-comers for coming out of NXT, bring in some of the guys from Japan. So that's exactly what we've seen. And what a perfect guy to bring back. Shane O'Mac was always sort of a fan favorite because of the ridiculous falls he would take yep. off of large structures and the way he would put his own body at risk, and there's a bunch of crazy things that Shane O'Mac had done. Um, but if I remember correctly, he took some time away from the business, and of course, he's the heir apparent. He is Vince McMahon's son. So yeah. at some point, that is going to be left to Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon just happens to be married to Triple H. so uh, It's all in the family. Yeah, so Shane O'Mac coming back, and, and coming back not to, as the evil Shane, but as the Shane was like, I'm back, let's make this right, you know, on TV. It was he the, did a face turn. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It might be the all-time best face turn uh, was the Shane McMahon re return coming back this and year. And it was uh, the the storyline was him like trying to take control from his father on TV. But we all, we, I mean, we don't, we know what's right. happening behind the scenes. But it was it was great TV as it usually is in uh, the soap opera that is WWE. Vince McMahon. There might not be anybody else that's more of a just a demon uh, heel than Vince McMahon. When, yeah. when he gets up there and he gets up on the mic, it's just everybody hates him. He almost panders negatively to the crowd yep. and just. You know, uh, it, it's so good. You're so fired, the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. So uh, when Shane came back, it really changed things. So we had that for a few months, and then we got into what's known as the brand split. So what that means is, for background for you guys that don't know, Raw Monday Night Raw has always been filmed as a live show. It's live, like whatever happens happens. It's live. There's the other show that's called SmackDown, right? SmackDown was always recorded the day after Raw and then 
broadcast on Thursdays. Thursday or Friday or Saturday, Thursdays, or whatever day it was. On yeah. various channels across. Yeah, it know, was on UPN originally, and then it was on the CW. Sci-fi. Right, and just yeah. very, they've moved around. They're both on USA now, Correct. for the record. So when I, what happened is, and they've coupled this together really well with taking the shows uh, both to USA, um, was they made SmackDown live as well yeah. on Tuesdays. So now what you've got is Monday Night Raw live, and the next night you've got SmackDown live, live and <laughs> on Tuesdays. Yeah. And now the problem, there's just several problems that, that come to mind for me because I always enjoyed Monday and Thursdays because it was like I had a whole week of wrestling. Right. Now it's Monday, Tuesday, and then crickets. Yeah. Unless you're into NXT and all the underground yeah, and the NXT's, Lucha Libre yeah, and all NXT, that stuff, NXT's right? on Wednesdays on uh, the WWE Network. We'll right. talk about that in a minute, but yeah. You've also got main event. You've got other things going on, right? right. So the reason I wanted to go through the whole State of the Union there is because it's important to set up what we're going to talk about next, which is because of the brand split. Well, let's, now, before you continue, yeah. talk about the brand split. So essentially that is a, imagine like a, a, a draft. So of all the superstars that are in the WWE, whether they're on the SmackDown show or the Raw show, they get drafted, yeah. quote unquote, uh, to one of the two shows or the, one of the two brands. That is what the brand split is all about. So, um, Yeah, imagine you only had two teams in the NFL and they right. had to pick all the players. Right. That's really what it came down exactly. to. And they just ping-ponged back and forth and picked superstars that will now be dedicated to a specific show and will not be crossing over and appearing on the other ones other than like stunts and right. stuff like that. Unless right? there's a certain storyline that dictates that. Right. Of course that Lesnar and Orton showing up sure. before SummerSlam sure. at, you know and beating sure. you know, whatever. So the the point of that whole part is that now we have two dedicated wrestling live wrestling uh, programs every week. And for those that don't know, a fun fact, Monday Night Raw is the longest running episodic television show in history. Yep. They're up to, I think it's almost 1,400 episodes yeah. or something ridiculous like that yeah. now. So it's it's been on forever. I, I remember starting to watch it when it was first coming on with my grandfather at the time, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, just as I grew into over the years and kept watching it and everything. So now that we've got two of those. Before you continue there, think about that for a second. Yeah. There is no off season in the WWE. Never. There is no rerun. Monday night, every Monday night for however 20-some-plus years, every single Monday night, they put on a two-hour and now a three-hour show yep. in a different city each Monday. Live. That is quite an operation. Yeah. I, just, I, mean, I can't imagine the rigs and the trucks and the crew and all of that stuff deserve amazing kudos for those guys that have been there for many, many years. And from what I understand, they have great employee retention. And yeah. once you go work for them, you don't want to go work anywhere else. So. Yeah, I, I've got uh, I've got a couple of friends who have worked with them in the past. And uh, maybe someday we'll get uh, somebody in here to give us a real behind the scenes kind of taste of what that's like to either be in the ring or work with them behind the scenes and just kind of get an idea of what that travel is like in that sort of lifestyle. Uh, there, there is no vacation either. I mean, these guys are on the road, and if they're not on TV on Monday or Tuesday, they're doing house shows, which is just a show to, you know, the a smaller arena in a smaller town that's not on television, but they still entertain a crowd. So yeah. these guys probably work over 300 days a year. Yeah, easily. And that's not easy work. No. The, the in-ring performers, for sure. And and even the, even the people behind the scenes, the amount of travel that you have to do, and you're living out of a suitcase your entire year, I don't know what it's like to try and have a family life on, on top of all that, and many of them do, and... um. You know, we've heard these horror stories of in the past of the wrestlers and their short lifespans, and it's just probably from living on the road and living in hotels and all the temptations that can come as a result of that. But uh, either way, uh, it's still an, an amazing feat to have done that many consecutive 
weekly episodes without a break over all that time. I've done it for I did it for three months earlier this year with my job where I was home maybe one day a week just to turn the suitcase and do laundry. I can't imagine doing that for multiple years. Yeah. Years upon years upon years. And not just the superstars. We're, we're again we're talking about all the crew there and everything. So um Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, we had the draft. We have the different superstars. The next logical thing that had to happen was we had to create all kinds of new titles and championships because okay. yep. we had individual women's SmackDown champion, women's Raw champion. You had to have the Raw tag team champions, the Raw SmackDown tag team champions. Right. So that was one of the things that came out of the gate of part of SummerSlam where you had the, the melding of the two. Right. And now what we're starting to see is every, almost every two weeks – we're going to have a unique pay-per-view uh, for the two very... We're going to ping-pong back and forth between Raw and SmackDown pay-per-views. So now we're going to get one every month for, for, for both of these, from what I understand. And then do the... I, I think, do the, big, do the big two sort of cross paths in the yeah. big four pay-per-views of the year? That's uh, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and SummerSlam and Survivor Series? Are those yes. the four that we'll see the, the, the multiple... Um, stars for multiple. I don't brands. know about Survivor Series, but I, I'm sh- I'm it's, absolutely sure about Royal Rumble. It's definitely one of the big four. Yeah, so I I think those we're going to see the crossover, but I think it's cool that we're now going to get more pay per views out of this. I think that's an unintended ex uh, uh, bonus that we've got out of this. I, I thought they were all just going to be crossovers going forward, but now we're going to get multiple pay per views and and major events like this throughout the year. And I think that's a really good thing as far as the storylines go because if you do a dedicated pay-per-view for one brand like that and then you do another pay-per-view for a dedicated brand like that then um, well, maybe it's not a good thing because you have people that, uh, well, that's not true. People are going to be fans of both. It's not, yeah. they, there isn't going to be like, Oh, you're a SmackDown guy. I'm a raw guy. That's not going to happen. No, I don't think that'll happen at all. Um, I, if anything, it's going to make me watch more stuff because I'm going to have more pay-per-views to watch. They've got this new show. It's like a podcast almost or a vidcast called talking smack. Oh that's, yeah. That's on the WWE network. So yeah. after SmackDown live immediately, you can turn on the WWE Network and watch a lot of superstars. Renee Young interview these superstars. That on one Talking with smack. Uh, that, that one with Miz and Daniel Bryan a couple weeks ago. Brilliant, was intense. Oh, that really. I, I that was one of those times where I was like, I don't know if it's a scripted anymore. Yeah, was this, it? A, this, was that, it a, this feels personal. Yeah, was it a shoot? And a shoot <laughs> is sort of like wrestling term for like a real thing. Yeah. So when two guys are yelling at each other, and it's is that is that a storyline or is that a real or a work? Is that like a real? Or is that a shoot? A shoot is like a real thing at work. Is like, oh, this is all planned, right? So, like I, for instance, for instance, yeah. when when um, when the pay per view happened, SummerSlam, and Brock Lesnar uh, basically elbowed a hole in Randy Orton's head and had him bleeding like a stuck pig. Uh, everybody thought that was uh, unscripted and that wasn't supposed to happen, but apparently it was. Yeah. But he just cut him a little too much, up to the point where we've heard stories where backstage that Jericho went up into to Lesnar and said. That's ridiculous. What are you doing that for? He didn't know what the finish was. The guys in the back didn't know what the finish of the match was. And Jericho was legitimately angry. Uh, but apparently that entire thing was planned. He just got a little more bloody than they wanted him and, to. And it's, did we confirm that Orton didn't blade or anything like that? No and blade. He was supposed to get cut what's called the hard way. So the hard way means that you punch a guy and you're trying to make him bleed. Uh, blading, uh, as far as I've been told from people that I know uh, who are in that industry, the the idea of putting a razor blade or a, a small little knife thing in your your wristbands or to have that handed to you by a ref in order to cut yourself. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Gotcha. I think probably because of some sort of wellness policy. Yeah. I, I imagine there's some sort of um, OSHA standard about that right. in, in a workplace. I, I do miss some of those matches, but sometimes they do go over 
Well, I mean, once it's flowing yeah. a little bit and, and just everybody's, they're all bloodied up. and I don't know. Ric Flair was the classic of that, oh, you know, and Jim and Ross. He, he's wearing the crimson mask. He's busting him in half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently back in the day, uh, Flair would take caffeine pills before matches uh, when he knew he was going to get cut in order to bleed more. Oh, my God. That's a true story. Wow. <laughs> so uh, to wrap up the wrestling bit here, look, it's um, I'm I'm really excited about... Um, where this is going, because the the point that I think we want to close out on this is that they're they're making changes. They've been listening to the audience, listening to the WWE universe, all the various podcasts and blogs and everything out there. We've got Shane O'Mac and Stephanie McMahon. We've got the 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 prodigal children of Vince McMahon Jr. himself uh, rearing up. Uh, to come over and eventually take this whole thing over. Right, and Shane's in charge of SmackDown, and Stephanie's in charge of Raw, right? And Shane's got his general... No, he's got his general manager. Yeah, and Daniel his general Bryan. manager's Daniel Bryan, and, uh, and Stephanie McMahon has her general manager. Mick Foley. The great Mick Foley. Oh, you and love it. And who doesn't want to see Mick Foley on TV every week? No matter what he, Yeah, whatever he, whatever he does. <laughs> it's just great to see that guy. So the big thing I want to wrap up here with this is that um, things are looking up. There was a time, I would say arguably for the last 10 years, where it was just kind of, eh. Yeah, Kane would fight this guy, and Big Show would fight this guy, and John Cena would fight this guy, and they just sort of like mix and match. And, and But now we've got this sort of uh, uh, explosion of new superstars, and they're not quite new because WWE has been smart enough to create this sort of minor league, so to speak, that's mm-hmm. only on the WWE network uh, called NXT. So we're seeing these young stars that have... Uh, incredible ring charisma and great storylines. And and if you're following them on NXT because you're watching that on the network on Wednesdays, now these guys are starting to show up on Raw. Finn Balor just wins the belt. Kevin Owens is, is, is in my mind, one of the... You cannot take your eyes off of this guy when he's in the ring. And these guys are becoming stars in front of our eyes, and it's happening so fast, and the fans are so behind it that it's an exciting time again. We're getting stars again. We're getting people that you want to see fight each other. And, And these are people that you'd never heard of you know, six months ago, and now these guys are just blowing the roof off of arenas, and it's really, really fun to see and really, really fun to watch. And I think it's a lot of fun for the WWE Universe as well because they've been followed, the ones that are dedicated have been following them in NXT, so that just amps them up even more when you see them on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live. Absolutely. And you can hear the chants carry over that, you know, if you're not watching NXT, you don't know them, but if you look at like Enzo and Cass and how you doing, yep. soft that whole thing. If you look at Bailey or some of the newer superstars that are starting to show mm-hmm. up uh, on the on the main shows, that's that's fantastic, and that means that they've done something right with NXT, in my opinion. Right to the point where these people are showing up and crowds are cheering them instead of like, wait, who's this guy? Exactly. Like they know who these unknown people are, and these unknown people already have a following, and maybe and that's definitely a part of the WWE being in the internet age now, where you can find these things. Uh, the WWE Network has changed the game. Yep. For 10 bucks a month, you get a pay-per-view, you get the access to NXT, and you also get access to the entire library of WWE content. Like the other day, I was uh, I was doing laundry, and I was like flipping through the network. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch the first Saturday night's main event from the 80s. And it was like Hogan versus uh, Bundy, I think, leading up to, to WrestleMania 2. And just to go back and watch how it used to be, you could find all that stuff, all the old WWF stuff, all the old WCW stuff, ECW. You can watch NXT. This Cruiserweight Championship thing, which I have not watched enough of, is is fantastic Matt wrestling. So yes. if you get a chance to check that out, do it. And the finale, by the time you're listening to this, the finality, finale, we're recording on Tuesday, the finales or the tomorrow final yeah, is on Wednesday, night. tomorrow yeah, night. Tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this, we'll have crowned the Cruiserweight champion. Uh, I've been having a blast. 
our buddy Jared has been watching this and constantly keeping me updated about the matches and all this stuff because I'm a little behind myself, admittedly. There's only so many hours in the day that you can watch wrestling, right? right. Unfortunately. And- One of the things that we were talking about before we started recording was how this reminded me personally of how things were as we got into the Attitude Era, which is arguably the best time ever of the last 30-plus years of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, that, that, set, that time period between like 1997 through... 2001 2002 it's known for you know informally as the attitude era that's your time of stone cold and the rock and and kurt angle and and just that was when wrestling was must see tv uh they were competing with wcw on a on a monday night basis and they were there was essentially the monday night wars and when that was happening that was the the golden time for wrestling and we were the perfect age we were in college and we were stealing pay-per-views through through whatever we were getting it through however we could watch every month you'd get together with a bunch of your buddies and everybody would chip in five bucks just so you could see the pay-per-view because you never knew it was going to happen it was always awesome and let's not forget we we dropped a few names there let's not forget the wcw guys yes nwo guys goldberg was a big deal oh man i mean i'll never forget when goldberg beat hogan for the belt hey yo that was scott hall kevin nash (laughs) yes so i just that time for me was fantastic, and the the point I'm trying to make here is that what we've got right now with Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live feels a lot like what was going on in the mid-90s as we began to the, the prologue to the Attitude Era with WCW, um, uh, WWF, which is what it was known as at, yeah. at the time before it became WWE. Uh, with the purchase of all the the properties and whatnot, so my I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I I want to I'm I, I th- I've got high hopes for for what it's going to become. I think you're you think you're onto something there because uh, the talent pool is big enough with all of the people under the WWE overall roster between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all these cruiserweight guys. The talent pool is big enough. That you have enough talented guys and enough charismatic guys that you want to watch, and that's what it was back in that time. You'd watch. Uh, WWE for Stone Cold and and The Rock and you'd watch WCW for Hogan and The Outsiders and Goldberg and like there's just there's there's good characters on both shows. It's exciting. Yeah. I uh, as a last little comment, uh, they the writers have to be extremely busy <laughs> compared to what they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I mean how many storylines they're carrying for many more superstars. You've got all these uh, guys guys and girls coming up from NXT. Writers have to be uh, going incredible right now. So and all of the original programming that's happening on the WWE, like the Holy Foley show and the Divas and and all of that sort of stuff. And and while we're talking about original programming, I think that's a perfect segue. That's an excellent segue. Yeah, you can count on me for that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that that uh, will take us into sort of our original programming. Uh, we talked a lot last week about the DC universe, and yes. we made mention of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we really didn't take time to talk about what's happening on Netflix right now with the Marvel TV universe. Yep. And by that I mean we've got uh, we've got Daredevil that's out there right now that's in that had already done its second season they're about to start shooting their third uh, the first season of Jessica Jones is already in the can uh, and in a couple of weeks we're going to get uh, Luke Cage and I can tell you for a fact from a very uh, famous person that I worked with recently um, Kevin Smith who is a, is just as cool as you would expect him to be uh, he told me that uh, he, he got an advanced copy of the, uh, the season of Luke Cage. It's, I think it's 10 episodes. They, uh, they drop on September 30th on Netflix. He told me that Luke Cage, the show, is, is on par with the first season of Daredevil. And I what? thought the first season of Daredevil was fantastic. Yeah, me too. And there's, a, there's an episode of uh, the show that I worked on with him. It's called Geeking Out. It's on AMC on Sunday nights. Uh, uh, we had Mike Coulter, the guy who plays Luke Cage, in a couple weeks ago to do an interview. I think that episode's on in a couple weeks. He's legit. He's the real deal. Uh, I only watched the first episode of Jessica Jones. I didn't really dig it too much, but I, 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 yeah, I think you stuck it out. What, what, how was Jessica Jones? 
So I, it was one of those that I felt like I had to watch because if I'm going to have an opinion about something, I want to have an educated opinion. Right. Uh, so I do that with a lot of things in life. If, if I'm going to go out and, and talk shit about talk No Man's Sky, like we did uh, last week a little bit, I, I, I'm coming from... Oh, a, we definitely did. I'm coming from a credible place uh, that has spent upwards of 30 hours playing that game uh, and, and doing all of that stuff that we complain about. So, yes, Jessica Jones, uh, I didn't really get into it right away. I didn't understand... Uh, where her arc was in the whole thing, I was at first I was confused. I was like, "Is this the Marvel equivalent of Hell's Kitchen in New York that she's doing?" I mean, is there a they, bounce back? They there? all kind of exist in that sort of same universe. Daredevil, yeah. Daredevil kicked it off, and I don't know. Have you seen the first season of Daredevil? Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness! I'm in I, love I, with that show. I am a I am a Daredevil fan. I've always have been since even like the '80s when uh, we were nearing the end of the Frank Miller run on Daredevil. And then uh, Kevin Smith brought it back to life. Uh, he wrote an, an arc with uh, Joe Quesada drawing it uh, in the early 90s when Kevin Smith started uh, uh, writing on comic books. Sorry to keep dropping his name. But um, uh, recently there was a really awesome run uh, with Brian Michael Bendis writing and Alex Maleev drawing in Daredevil. And, and even most recently, Mark Wade, one of the greatest comic writers ever, did a really amazing run on Daredevil as well. So if you're a comic book person and... Uh, we'll get back to the TV side of it, but uh, quickly, and I, you've said this to me a number of times, how do I get into comics? How, where do I start? Uh, pick a character you like and find the stories that you like. It's impossible to try and keep up with a book every month and, and keep up with concurrent storylines. Pick the characters that you like. If you like Batman, go read this story, this story, this story, this story, this story. What are those stories? Uh, year one, go read The Dark Knight Returns, read Hush, read, uh, um, you, you can find them. Go to any sort of comic book website, go to Comixology, and it'll tell you the best stories of each character. And that could be your gateway in. So back to Daredevil, the show. Um, I thought they nailed it as far as what that character was, and we cannot talk about that show without talking about how awesome Vincent D'Onofrio was as Kingpin. Brilliant. I mean, he disappeared in that role. Yes, you knew it was Vincent D'Onofrio, but it wasn't. It was, oh, man. And he well, just... He, well, last week we talked about uh, Margot Robbie being born yes, to play yes. uh, Harley Quinn. Yep. I would say Vincent D'Onofrio might have been born to play Kingpin. Uh, and and frankly, since let's just lump them all together. Season two... I think John Bernstein was born Barenthal. to play Punisher and yeah, Frank Barenthal. Castle. Yeah, Barenthal. And that or Barenthal. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, season two, uh, I enjoyed it. They, they bring in Elektra as well. And and the thing about that show that, that makes it so cool is because it's on Netflix, it's not like uh, nice comic book stuff. That It's dark. It's gritty. It's violent. It's bloody. Um, and that's how yeah, Daredevil, Daredevil beats the shit out of people. Yeah, that's how Daredevil should be. And there's just like, there's some amazing camera work in that show where you'll do like the sort of one-off fights where he'll come down a hallway or go up a flight of stairs and you don't cut away from it. Um, like an old boy or, or those famous, right. you know, shots they are doing that on television on Netflix now. And it's great on Netflix. They will, instead of you having to wait each week, they're like, here's all 10 episodes, watch them. However you want to watch them. Yep. Here's season two and season two ends in a way that, uh, we're starting to see some sort of like ninjas and other guys coming, which I think might be, uh, sort of a, a kickoff to, um, Iron Fist is coming next after this mm. Luke Cage show and, and all of those guys are going to get together. Daredevil, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. So we're leading up to uh, the Defenders. All of those four in a show. So again, we have a connected universe, not just in the movie side, but in the TV side. And I wonder if someday we'll get to see Daredevil and Captain America cross paths in a movie or, or Thor and Luke. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what it the is. The possibilities are limitless at yes. this point. So while we spent a lot of time kind of bashing DC last week, I think we again have to reaffirm how well Marvel is doing in yes. their world. So I'm excited to see Luke Cage in a couple of weeks. I will try and make sure I get through the rest of Jessica Jones before then. But uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, and, and I guess that kind of leads us into um, what's happening in television, right? Well, it's not just about Marvel either, uh, because if you look at DC, you've got Green Arrow, you've mm -hmm. got Flash, 
They've got their own shows. And all those shows are interconnected, but they're not connected to the universe. That's the problem that we talked Fair. about last week. But Fair. yes, all those shows are good, and they're all on Netflix as well. Yeah, so and watch- Hulu. So, I mean, there's right. all kinds of stuff. But going you on can there. go to Netflix right now and watch the first season of Supergirl. All, sorry, the first season of Supergirl, all the seasons of Arrow that are up to date except for the current one, all the seasons of The Flash, right? So you've got the DC side of it. I'm sure Legends of Tomorrow will be on there too. Or you can watch all the Marvel shows. So if you're a comic book fan, you can go to Netflix. I, I, we, they should be a sponsor at this point, but as much as I'm talking about them. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, all of your comic book geekness is there in yes. one thing for whatever, 10 bucks a month. It's not even that. Oh, it's not? It's seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. I should check. So my, eight eight dollars a month. I should check my bank. Actually, they, so I think I got grandfathered in because I was such an early subscriber. I think they have raised it up to nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine or something. But still, that's nothing for the amount of content nothing. you get. Uh, and conversely, Hulu, which is more TV focused than movie focused, uh, is seven ninety nine for the base package with ads. Or you can pay an extra four dollars a month and completely get rid of ads. I you did that. I never did that have to watch a commercial I again. I did that, and it's it's great. <laughs> Which uh, the commercial uh, the 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 companies don't like it. But. Uh, well, you're there getting their money. True. But so anyway, uh, that leads us into a bigger discussion that I think we want to kind of spend the last little uh, segment of the show here on. Uh, is cord cutting, and I think this is I think this is our sort of our our our, our theme of the show is connection issues, um, and it's really just about sort of an interconnected world that we're trying to talk about here. So we just talked about the 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 Marvel Netflix. Uh, you can watch ten shows at once. You don't have to wait for a uh, for Tuesday night at seven or 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 Sunday night at this time to watch that show. They're like, here's the entire season, and I believe you and I talked about it outside before we started. You think this all started with House of Cards? House of Cards, absolutely, in my opinion, kicked all of this off because it fundamentally changed the way we consume uh, television-oriented programming, not film, not movies, not cinematic. Right. Uh, but uh, I would even also say maybe Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad might be the first one that I remember a lot of people coming in around season three and going and binge watching. Yeah, to catch up. But they had to do stuff. it on a DVD at that time. Well, right? they or, had to do it on the like the on-demand on? sure. cable boxes stuff, right? AMC is is the the channel it was on, the network it was on. The only thing I'll say about Breaking Bad, and yes, I haven't watched it. That's on my must-watch list. Uh, Breaking oh, Bad was God. still. But Breaking Bad was cut the cut the podcast. But, You're fired. <laughs> but Breaking Bad was still a. This is on. It was it was still watercolor talk. Yeah. Game of Thrones is still water cooler talk. It's like you have to be watching it at the time that it's on. Yes. But those shows don't exist on network TV anymore. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Do you remember like when we were kids, Thursday nights was Cosby, uh, 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 Cheers, and Seinfeld, and or whatever. For what? me, it was Sunday night, Married with Children, Roseanne, right. uh, uh, Simpsons. The closest we things. get to that now is the Sunday night animation block on Fox. But I couldn't tell you what time shows are on network TV. By that, I mean NBC, CBS, ABC, the big three. Right. Or Fox, the big four, if you want to even add that. Right? Yep. Those show nobody talks about shows on those networks anymore. Yep. And that's the way that we grew up. So we're seeing a fundamental shift in the way that television is advertised, is consumed, like you were talking about. And where are we going with this? So I, I think the this we're getting into an age of cord cutter. I think I saw a stat the other day that something that uh, uh, what was it? Cable subscriptions are down. Uh, something stupid like sixty some percent year over year. Like that, people are just not consuming cable that way anymore. And and. Funny enough, the most common reason I hear that people conti- there's two that people continue to have their cable subscriptions or satellite or direct TV whatever is kids. Yep. And live sports. Yeah. That's why I still have it. Right. So that has been uh, not the kid part. I do oh, watch kids. Ca- I do watch cartoons, <laughs> but you know, I, I live sports has always we been an issue. Watch a lot of cartoons in my house. <laughs> 
Uh, cord cutting fundamentally means that you don't have cable. It right. means you have a really good internet connection or at least one good enough to sustain streaming services such as Hulu and Netflix, but you don't have DirecTV or Time Warner or Charter or Cox or any of these other companies that are out there from a television perspective. Um, and I've been doing this now, July was three years. Wow. So it, it took some adjustment. So when I, I moved the last time, I simply did not get another DirecTV subscription. I didn't sign back up for it. I just got the top um, uh, internet package, which was like 300 meg down, 50 meg up, yep. whatever their ultimate thing is. Yeah, super slow internet. Yeah, it's ter- terrible. Terrible internet. Um, and, and I subscribe to Netflix for $7.99 a month, and I pay uh, $11.99 for Hulu. That's it. Yeah. So, yes, while I pay the better part of $100 for internet connection... Uh, and you know, twenty bucks, the forty bucks for two different services. I still end up with about one hundred and fifty dollars in monthly fees. But the fundamental change in the way you consume the content is—I don't want to say psychologically, but it's so—it's such a relief to not have to deal with ads and commercials and propaganda. And I—I I, I don't think I've seen one uh, political advertisement this year because I—I I don't watch TV. Yeah, uh, I, all of that stuff going on. So, um, the ability for Netflix to constantly just cue the way that they're doing, um, the way that Hulu does their day after airing of whatever they broadcast, is kind of like almost DVR fu- type functionality anyway. Right. I dare say anybody, hardly anybody watches a show when it's on Thursday night at eight o'clock. You know, you get the new show of whatever it is. They probably just DVR it and watch it when it's convenient. That's the perfect target for a Hulu subscriber because you can just watch it whenever it comes out the next day anyway. Which is strange also for me as a person who works in television and uh, our our shows get, you know, uh, renewed for another season mm-hmm. based on ratings. And ratings were all based on how many homes are watching or how many million households are watching that show when it airs based on the number of commercials that they would watch, right? So the ads for something will be sold based on uh, uh, the amount of viewers that a, that a show has. But how do you track that anymore? I'm sure that the Nielsen boxes still exist. When I was in college, you could have a box attached to the back of your TV, and they would give you a couple of months, and you would write down the shows you watched, and they would track that. Right. Yes, there's a way for them to track you know, what shows did you DVR on your direct TV and all that stuff, but they don't have a way to find out if you watch that show. Lo- I mean, they could, but they don't know that you fast-forwarded through the commercials. So I don't understand. No, they do. Okay, so well, fine, but I don't understand how... Because the recording counts as a viewing. Right, so guess, if you're recording the show via your DVR, you're essentially, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, right. watching it. Okay, right. so I don't understand how uh, how ad sales can be affected by that. And that, again, uh, dictates all of the programming on the networks is how many people are watching. And maybe that's why we're seeing such a downturn in the quality of programming on all the networks. Um, again... All of the shows that people talk about aren't on network TV anymore. They're That's ca- the key point. They're on cable or they're on Netflix or Hulu. Well, no, Hulu has some original programming, but or Amazon even has some original programming now, too. Yeah. That's where people are going to watch. And the other thing we should get back to is the DirecTV thing. I'm a DirecTV subscriber, have been for a number of years. Yes, because of the Sunday ticket. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I'm paying some ridiculous amount of money every month, and I should really look into this because I need to have a specific number of channels, but they also will throw in all of the other channels, which I don't want, but that's the way I have to get it. Yeah. Sling TV. Have you heard about what they're doing now? They have a smaller package of things that you would watch that don't have like, I don't need to watch the national geographic channel right now. Maybe I'll go find that program somewhere else, but I don't need to pay for it every month because I'm not watching that channel or the Smithsonian or sometimes the history channel. I'm not saying I don't watch those. 
I, you're paying with DirecTV, you're paying for the option of being able to watch something. Whereas we are moving in, I think, into an on-demand world in general. I want to watch this now. I want to consume this now. I will get it now. I don't need to have the option and pay for the option. I just want to pay for what I'm actually consuming. Totally. And it's the, the idea of uh, owning content that you don't consume. You're paying for something. You're paying for an ice cream cone you're not eating. Right. Essentially, right? So that's the, the Hulu model. If we go back and talk about that for just a second, Hulu is not, it does have some original shows. Uh, they've taken over the Mindy Project and those sorts of things. There's a new show called Casual that is fantastic. You should absolutely check that out. Okay. Uh, You're the Worst, I think, is another good one that they've done. So anyway, they're doing their own original stuff the same way Netflix is, albeit a little bit behind of where Netflix is uh, from what we were just talking about. But the other thing that Hulu is, is it's a it's an amalgamation of NBC, ABC, and Fox, Fox. Yeah. right? CBS, CBS went off and did their own thing. Was like, yeah, we're, we're going to do CBS On Demand. Which you, I'm going to have to try and get now because the Star Trek show that they're in development with now is only on CBS Now. So if CBS Now costs me $15 a month, so if it costs me $15 a month to watch Star Trek, I'll do that. Because okay. I would pay $15 or $14 a month to watch HBO Now so I could watch Game of Thrones. Yep. It's uh, the same thing what we're getting at. It's it's the it's the on demand. I will uh, rather than pay for rather than pay for the entire package, I want to pay for what I want. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the whole point and it's it's something that believe it or not psychologically because we've grown up with cable. Right. It's very hard for people to let go and change their ways in that, but I can tell you uh it's it is so liberating. That that's the word that I constantly come back to to yeah. be totally in control of what you want to watch. Not be overwhelmed with marketing and propaganda and what you... Uh, this week on Thursday on NBC. I just... It, all and that the, stuff the, goes and away. The, and the cable conglomerates have to be terrified by this. Oh, big time. Right? I mean, here's the thing. Like, Remember when ESPN Sports Center was must-see TV because yeah. of the talent that they had on it and you would wait for the hour to see your one team with the highlights? You don't. Nobody watches Sports Center anymore. If it's on in the bar when you're there and you see a highlight or the top 10 funny plays, yeah, that's fun. But nobody sits down... Like I used to watch Sports Center at night, and then I get up and I'd watch it in the morning again, just because you'd wait and you'd see the funny things that those guys did, or you'd wait for the Cubs highlights, you'd wait for the Bears highlights, or whatever it was. Now you can go to the individual app from the sport that you want to go see, pick the play of the game that you wanted to watch, and you can. Da, 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 da. I want to see this home run. I want to see this goal by this player in hockey. I want to watch this specific play. You can do that now. You don't have to go to ESPN to find that. So again. The clip shows, the cable shows, all of that stuff is in trouble, right? Because of our on-demand world. And I think that's kind of where we want to get to as our sort of wrap-up idea of where are we going in this on-demand world and automation. And you and your tech background probably are the best person to speak on this. What, I, what I'll leave you guys with is that don't be afraid. Come towards the light, <laughs> Carolan. It is, it is, it's liberating. It's a great experience. Get yourself an Apple TV or a Roku or whatever device you're comfortable Fire, with. Amazon Fire. Amazon Fire TV. The sticks work great. I love the Amazon Fire TV Chromecast. stick. Chromecast. Uh, not the Chromecast. It's, nah, it's okay. It's it's not the same thing as what the the previous three I mentioned. Google is no longer affiliated with the Concession Stand Podcast. <laughs> Uh, Chromecast is more of a way of sharing, almost like app AirPlay. Okay. Uh, away I have from, one. I just from your I rarely use it. Yeah, I have one that's sitting in the box. I put it in once and I haven't messed with it. Anyway, uh, so get yourself one of those devices. You probably more than likely already have a Netflix subscription. I think there's something like 80% of homes have Netflix now in the U.S. Good on them, man. It, it's just it's such a success story for them. But we have to go back to uh, the psychological effect that something like House of Cards really triggered in people. Binge watching became a thing. Yeah. And then we had all these other shows that came along after it. You had Orange is the New Black. You had um, 
Jessica Jones. You had Daredevil. You had all of these other shows that came out. Oh, and by the way, now all of these older shows that maybe you didn't watch, like West Wing for me. I never watched West Wing when it was live. Breaking Bad for me. Breaking Bad is all on there now. So you can now watch Sopranos. Yeah. Speaking of like HBO Now Uh and so on. I went uh, four or five months ago. I went through an entire bender where I watched one to the end of Sopranos, uh, and that's just that's a long, long set of content to go through. What seven seasons of hour long shows with no breaks, right? Yeah, true fifty eight minute shows. And you didn't have to buy the two hundred twenty five dollar box set on disc. Nope, I paid seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. So yeah. that's the whole point of the thing is that don't be afraid of it. Understand the differences between Netflix and what they're doing with delivering whole packages of shows and seasons for binge watching purposes or at on demand a la carte viewing versus what Hulu is doing where it's more of a, a a likeness to DVR functionality of live shows plus actual original programming plus criterion collection of old movies. That's a huge selling point for stuff. me as, as a big movie guy to have all that criterion collection on Hulu is just genius. 99 Red Balloons, Young Frankenstein, some of the Charlie Chaplin stuff. Seven, all that stuff is out there. Seven Samurai, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just tons of stuff. All the old black and white. There's some silent films on there. That yeah. Are, are even just... So I think I even remember, speaking of Kevin Smith, him raving about that. That's where I first learned about that Criterion collection. So treat Hulu, in a sense, as the same way you would a DVR. You get to build what's called a watch list of all the shows that you want to watch. So in mine, I have I, I'm obsessed with Gordon Ramsay belittling people. So <laughs> I have Master Chef and Hell's Kitchen and uh, Hotel Hell and all that stuff all in my queue, and it alerts me when I, there's a new episode available. Right. So there's all kinds of other shows that are in there um, that I just I curate this watch list of channels or not even channels, but even more discreetly individual programs that are on a particular channel uh, within this watch list. It's like it's almost akin to buying. Every show that you want to watch off of the iTunes store. Right. And that's the only way you do it. But then that would, you get that to do be, it. That would be way more expensive, but yes. Way more expensive. Like $30, $30 a season or something yeah. like that, right? Now you can have it commercial and ad free for $12 a month. Yeah. And I'm not, I, disclaimer, I don't work for Hulu. I don't know anybody. I don't, I'm not getting paid by Hulu. But the point is, is that I love it so much that I, I try to convert people as much as I can. And I can see people glaze over sometimes when you try to describe what life is like without cable. Here's a perfect example. We were just talking about wrestling. Yep. You watch wrestling on Hulu. Yes. And even better, I don't have to sit there for three hours because they re-edit a 90-minute version of it specifically for Hulu. Right. And it's it's just you can fast forward through. You, you just have just... to wait till the next day. And and yeah. yes, if you went on the Internet, you could find out what happened and you could I don't, blow it. But you don't. Yeah. It, it's just it's a different approach and a right. different way that you um, you consume content across the board. Right. Yeah. And to your point about Sports Center and things like that. Yeah, I I, I, I can watch Sports Center on mine. I won't divulge how, but yeah. uh, it's, I do have access to the watch ESPN app. Right. I, I'll go watch uh, Scott Van Pelt SVP. Yep. I'll watch his program every now and then. I'll watch a college football game or something that might be on ESPN. You can now watch the Sunday ticket on Apple TV, can't you? And Which that's, is, that was the big ringer that I kind of wanted to close the show out with because... That, right, that might be my See Later DirecTV moment. Yep, that might be what has held people in besides kids. Remember I mentioned kids and live sports. I got a couple of those. Now we've got... Uh, so now you can entertain your kids with tablets and uh, you know a cartoon-specific section on Netflix for oh, I, oh, kids-only yep, version, yep, right? Yep. Uh, and now one of the big things was Sunday tickets. So this year, 
even though there were fears that we would never get this until after 2022 or whenever that because NFL direct, and DirecTV right, that, exclusive contract ends. Yeah, that super billion dollar whatever right. it was, right? So now DirecTV, all of a sudden, in the 11th hour, like we didn't know this was coming, this just last week uh, announced that they were going to have a live streaming version for set-top uh, connected devices to have a live streaming version of the NFL Sunday ticket. And you and, don't need to type in your DirecTV account to watch it, right? Uh, no. You well, you do, but uh, you don't have to have a, a subscription to their other services. That's what I mean. Yeah, like so I, I watch, still have to right. log in with my to my DirecTV account, but right. I don't have any subscription services other than this. So on, on Apple TV, when I want to turn on the Disney Junior app for my kids to watch the Minnie Mouse Boutique, uh, I have to type in uh, and my you know DirecTV account number and password, and then it knows that I'm a subscriber, so then I get to watch all that content. Right. So the difference it, is for you, you yeah. can just buy the Sunday ticket regardless of whether or not you're a DirecTV customer. So I buy. I paid an a la carte two hundred and fifty dollars for the entire season, which includes the Red Zone channel and all the fantasy stuff and yeah. every game live streamed uh, from now until February. Right. All, all of that stuff is, is part of that. So. I, I think I'm gonna have to cut the cord. Yeah, it's there. What's ask yourself? You know, I call a man in the mirror conversations. Go have a man in the mirror conversation. Like, why am I paying this money? And it's 100 uh, percent convenience and kind of just like what you're used to, yep. right? What you're comfortable with. And if you break that mold, if you and they call it cutting the cord because it's it's abrasive in a sense. It takes some getting used to for the first week or so and rebuilding your watch list of the shows. But that's kind of a fun exercise. If I could re you know reinforce that a little bit, but it has saved me thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars at this point over the course of three years. Three years, yeah. and it's yeah. Granted, I still spend probably a hundred dollars a month between cable. Yeah, Netflix, I'm spending and Hulu. close to two hundred on on Directv. So uh, this all makes sense to me, and it's kind of I'm kind of kicking myself in the head for not doing it sooner. Yeah. But now that the Sunday ticket, and thing, you've got me here to help you, right, Kind of do it. Right? Uh, that's what I was holding on to. Honestly, was the Sunday ticket thing, and and my wife loves having a bunch of stuff in the DVR that she never watches, but sorry, Amy. Um, so uh, last night we, we, we have, we, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up destiny, our game that we talked about it at length last week. Uh, we were a week away from the expansion rise of iron, which we're all very excited about last night. Uh, we got together and finished up the court of, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the challenge of the Oryx raid uh, in hard mode. And uh, it was a group of six. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, what a fun sort of experience it is to get together with six of your buddies or five of your buddies and accomplish this big impossible thing. And it right. took us quite a while to do it, but we finally did it. And uh, it was amazing. It was myself. It was Nick. It was uh, Rowdy. It was Phonic. It was Baron. It was Dova, the guys that we normally play with over there on PS4. And I'd never done it on PS4 on uh, uh, challenge mode Oryx. Uh, so to get that and get that with a group of friends was just amazing. And we well, there was like, a whole backstory to this too because you guys were we were under the impression that we had until two a.m. <laughs> yeah. reset to, we, which, to get which, this done. We did, yeah. Which with uh, you know at one forty eight a.m. we we finished. <laughs> yes, we killed Orcs. And we're like, woo, we beat him. Here. We got the guy. Yeah, we Everybody got him. Out. And then you it, went and it, read it was, something. It was it was raining loot. There were engrams on the ground. It looked like somebody killed a Christmas tree. There were so many <laughs> blue and green and yellow lights all over the floor from all the engrams that we had gotten from all these failed attempts at trying to kill him. But yeah, uh, and then. Uh, we were like, well, uh, the reset happens at two and we need this one guy down in the court of Oryx. So we all go down to the court of Oryx to get the one reset we need. So Nick could get his moments of triumph and we could all take another step towards our moments of triumph and the reset happens. And we thought, oh, well, we at least had to get Oryx done this week because next week it's going to be, uh, the war priest again. Well, it turns out 
our old friends at Destiny were like, you know what? You get a moment of triumph. Everybody gets a moment of triumph because they decided that you could just do every single challenge mode in the final week before Rise of Iron, and then they would do a rotating tier three boss in the Court of Oryx. So we went down and we grounded or grinded, uh, grind, ground, what? Grounded it. Grounded, yeah. Grinded it. Coffee grinded. Grinded. Anyway, so we go to the Court of Oryx, we kill a bunch of bosses, but we'd be remiss without telling uh, the legend of Kevin Tyler. Oh, Kevin Tyler, you are you are legend, sir. We to set this up like we we had our. (laughs) We, so it was a group of five or six of us right, that split go, off. But we all wanted to go in. So there's yeah. a trick to getting us all down there. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So you can only take a fire team of three people. Right. So we met with, with another random guy, Finner, I think his name Finner was. Bain. So Finner thanks, Bain. So thanks to him, too. Yes. If no you're listening, way, he, thanks, No way Finner he's Bain. listening to this, right. but thank you, sir, anyways. <laughs> uh, so we, we invite that guy into a PS4 party, and uh, he ends up inviting our other guy. So we get all five or six guys down there, plus two randoms. Yeah. And out of nowhere... <laughs> Uh, this guy named Kevin Tyler. Oh, appears. Kevin Tyler. The man is a legend. He he will go down in legend because no one revives people from death like Kevin Tyler. To the point that you and I were even voluntarily trying to kill ourselves to save our rune when we didn't get the right guy. And he would not let us die. No, he would not. He would he would just he had your back. Kevin Tyler was always there. And and Kevin Tyler, I know you're not listening, and I know you wouldn't accept our friend requests and our party invites. <laughs> but you, sir are a saint. Yes. And we will always honor you from now on. Whenever we revive somebody in any sort of form of destiny, we will say, I got you, Kevin Tyler. Yes. We will Kevin Tyler our friends until the end of time. In fact, Rowdy is writing a power ballad about Kevin Tyler right what? now. Yes. It is, uh, it is in the, uh, it's a C, I think it's a C major seven, uh, E minor chord progression. Um, we've been working on it already today. So. Friendly Kevin Tyler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the legend of Kevin Tyler will live on forever. So we will try and, and have him on the show somehow someday, <laughs> but it will be impossible. But Oh, we'll figure that out. I mean, even Leroy Jenkins showed up at the we, Video Game we, Awards this year. I think we said year. that. I think we said that. Or maybe I said it. When we no, were, that was a, we had our own very own yeah. Leroy Jenkins kind of moment last night with, just, uh, with Kevin Tyler. This guy was hopping around like crazy, just reviving everybody. And he was he was kind of low level and he wasn't the best player. But darn it, he was there to, to make sure that you stayed alive because he wanted to help so kudos to you sir and i know whether or not you can relate to this story or not we just wanted to take the time yes to close out the show and raise a beer yes to kevin tyler thank you kevin tyler thank you kevin tyler and that's our show for this week folks uh if you want to listen in some more subscribe to us on itunes you can find that over on overlittlejigsaw.com or wherever you're listening to this uh you can find me nick howell over at Data Center Dude on Twitter. And and I'm Andy Nelson. My Twitter handle, which I'm now checking again, is at AndyNelson76. So drop us a line. Tell us if you love it, if you hate it. Uh, give us some topics you want us to talk about. We love talking about stuff in geek culture and, and wrestling and sports. And maybe there's something else you want us to talk about. And even if we don't know what it is, we'll look it up on the internet. Yes, because you have a Twitter thing. I have a Twitter thing. <laughs> and yeah, Andy's even using it now. And uh, he wants you to send him all the negative feedback because he's doing a heel turn. Full on heel turn. That's right. On I'm the gonna, show. I'm next week, I'm going to hit Nick over the head with a chair, and then I'm going to rip my shirt off, and it's going to say NWO, and then I will spray paint NWO on his back. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Later. Bye.